welcome to Turns Out She's Psychic, the podcast. Spiritual musings, sometimes amusing. I'm Tracy. And I'm Laura. This is a Tracy-only show because we're having technical difficulties, but hey, that's how we roll sometimes. It's strange that it's me, not Laura, that this is actually happening to, so I can't believe it. It's kind of strange, but it's actually quite fitting because today we have a very special guest for you guys who um, is someone that I've known about for about, I want to say, six or so years that you first came onto my radar. And um, I was just such a paranormal geek growing up because that was where the people who understood me and I understood them sat, you know, like being able to speak to spirits and understand spirits and believe in them. It was my jam and I felt normal <laughs> around people that also were into that kind of thing. So let me introduce you all to Alan Tiller. Alan, thank you so much for coming on the sh- on, on the podcast. So excited. Hello. Hello, and thank you for having me. You're welcome. And you're coming in from South Australia? Is correct. A little town um, called Gawler. What is it called? Gawler. Gawler. And have you always lived there? Um, I was born here. Yep. Um during Haunting Australia, I lived in Kapunda, the most wanted town in South Australia, but I've moved back to Gawler again. Okay, awesome. And do you like being home? Yes. Um, you know, this is where I grew up um, and I'm not actually that far from where I grew up, so it yep. is very much home. Yeah. Mm. And so are there lots of haunted places in your in your hometown? There is actually. There is quite a few. Um, Has... And I happen to work at one too, so that's a, another bonus. Oh, I can't wait to hear all about that. You can't wait. Um, and so is that what got you into the paranormal because of sort of the happenings around your hometown? What age were you? Like what, what was going on for you as a young guy? So like most people um, that are in the paranormal, I had an interest through TV, obviously. Um, Scooby-Doo, you can see it on my shirt there. Yeah. <laughs> um, X-Files when I was a bit older, shows like that. Um, but it wasn't until I moved to Queensland that I'd become an investigator. Uh, so I lived up there early 2000s, um, and I got into it through genealogy, so family history. Um, I was right into it as a teenager, looking up the family tree, all that kind of stuff. Um, I was investigating a cemetery, looking at people there, and a ghost tour came through, and I happened to be standing off the side and listened to their stories, and the people they were talking about I had researched, and they weren't telling the truth about them. Ah. And so they were, they were, you know, garnishing their stories about these people, saying they'd done this and done that, and it never happened in their lifetime, no record of it. Um, so that made me decide to go on the ghost tour. So I went on it another time, listened to it again, went, yep, yeah, they're definitely not telling the truth. Um, and then I discovered a whole world of ghost hunters and all that kind of stuff, come across shows like Most Haunted. Um, I spoke to Ian Lawman way back then, um, surprisingly. Yep. And, yeah, then I um, tried to join a team and... Most uh, ghost hunting teams. Oh, how old? Um, probably in my late twenties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, late twenties. Um, probably join a ghost hunting team up there, but ghost hunting teams are mainly insular. They don't really invite people outside of their circle of friends. Um, I eventually moved back to Adelaide, and then I started Idolon Paranormal here, and I had the the mission of um, researching paranormal topics and putting out. Uh, basically research things about psychology, 
history, those kind of things, and putting them out for free so people could read them and find all that stuff that you just couldn't find anywhere. Um, and then, you know, that obviously, yeah, and, you know, I, I still do that. Um, that's led, you know, uh, I, I founded another one called SA Paranormal in 2009, and the, um, the, the mission behind that was to get paranormal teams together and just general members of the public to have a chat about ghosts and paranormal psychics and things like that. Um, and it ended up me presenting at every one of them. So I'd research something, present it once a month. We'd all go out afterwards and go ghost hunting somewhere. Um, and then I uh, founded the Haunts of Adelaide in 2012, which is my blog, a different blog. I write about six different blogs. Um, that one's very South Australian specific. Um, and yeah, then Haunting Australia landed in my lap in 2013. And that's probably where so you know cool. me best from. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's in, in my experience, things have just come to me. I haven't searched these things out. Um, it's just kind of landed on my lap. But, yeah, I started out in genealogy looking at family trees and headstones and things like that. And, yeah, I found this whole other world of ghosts and here I am. <laughs> that is so cool. I love that story. And what did your what did your parents think when you first started getting into it all? <laughs> they didn't know for a long time. Um, I kept <laughs> I, I never used to really tell anyone about it. Like before the TV show, I kept very quiet about what I got up to in my spare time. Um, you know, I worked in a, I don't know what you would call it, but uh, in a warehouse. So people weren't really too fond of ghost hunters. So I kept my mouth shut about those kind of things for a long time. Um, but when my parents, when I first um, wrote a book and handed it to them, that's when they really found out what I was up to. Um and then, and yeah, hey, don't you don't recognise that guy on the TV? Hang on a minute, that's our <laughs> son. He's a ghost Yeah, hunter? so, yeah, they got they got right into it afterwards, but, um, you know, probably not their cup of tea. Um, but they, they've watched the show. They've I, I give them the books. When I print a new book, they get a first copy. So, yeah, yeah um, Dad's passed away now, but Mum's still around. So, yeah. Very and, cool. Yeah, so, you know, if they were, you know, I think, I think, for anyone, you know, your kids on TV, that's a big thing, really. So doesn't matter why. No, it doesn't <laughs> matter. <laughs> yeah. oh, maybe, maybe. I think within reason, but this fits Well, it depends on what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm really curious, what is up till now? Like I don't know how old you are, and I'm not gonna ask you, but in the time that you've been doing this, what has been your absolute favorite top of the list kind of that was the best experience of my life in investigation? Oh, that's a hard choice. Um, there's been so many. Um, you can tell us more than one. I'll tell you a few then. Okay, go for <laughs> so, it. So in South Australia, there's a place called St John's Cemetery, which is near Kapunda. Um, it's a very isolated cemetery. It's Irish Catholics. It was founded in around the 1840s. Um, and I used to go there by myself. And literally there's five kilometres before the nearest house. And pitch black, it's out in the middle of a paddock. It's probably, I think there's around 800 people buried there and it's considered very, very haunted. So haunted, in fact, that um, up on the hill there used to be a reformatory that was run by St Mary MacKillop. And back in the days when she was there, she actually wrote a letter to her sister saying that she has not yet seen the ghost that haunts the place. So they knew about the ghost there way back in, you know, 1870s, 1880s. Um so I used to, like I said, spend a lot of time there. I used to camp there sometimes overnight, hoping to see things. Um, and on one particular occasion, I was given that gift of seeing something there. Um, and it was a, a very strange purple light. 
that started off, you know, little tiny light and it come down the side of the hill and it just grew and grew and grew until it's about the size of a beach ball. Um, it lit up the whole field. I was with other people. And as I turned and said, do you see that? It just zoomed away. Um, but it lit up the whole field and it was just amazing. Like, I've never seen anything like it again. Um, but yeah, that was, that was pretty um, exciting. That's pretty um, awesome. Another, yeah, it was, I've, yeah, it was strange. Um, it was really strange and I have no explanation for that one. Um, another really cool place and it was on my bucket list at the time was the Adelaide Arcade, which you would have seen on Haunting Australia. Um, the arcade was built in 1885 and in 1887, a gentleman named Francis Clooney, um, he either fell or he was pushed to his death. No one actually knows exactly what happened, but he was killed in um, the Grenfell Street end of it and where he was killed is now a dry cleaner, um, the Manhattan Dry Cleaners. And I've actually become very good friends with the family who own it. They've been there since 1976. Um, and I sometimes pop in and I, I hear what, what's been going on with Francis because he haunts the building. So he actually haunts their shop because where he died was actually the back of their shop now. Um, wow. So they have told me they've come in in the morning and they've heard their names called, um, things rattle, they get cold breezes, uh, things move as well. He moves things around. Yeah, it's pretty full on. Um, but when we were investigating it with Haunting Australia, Rob Demarest and I were in the Manhattan dry cleaners and it was only us two and a cameraman. And we were trying to make contact with Francis and um, it was suggested that I um, hold my hand out to shake Francis's hand. And as I held my hand out like this, something gripped my hand and my hand went ice cold. Um, and that wow. was, you know, it wasn't psychosomatic or anything like that. Yeah. The cameraman was behind me and he said he heard someone say hello in his ear which, you know, shake someone's hand, you say hello. Um, yeah, and that was pretty full on. Um, Very and, cool. Yeah, my wife and I went back there and investigated a few more times. Um, nothing else like that has ever happened. But that, that particular event was quite amazing. That's pretty impressive. I love that. And what's really interesting, do you have any psychic abilities at all that, 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 are, that are, you know, stronger? I, I, I don't consider myself psychic mm -hmm. um, at all. Um, but I have been told that certain, I, well, I do pick up on things, put it that way. Yeah. I get certain feelings and I know when something's going to happen. Um, I can tell by the environment when I walk in straight away, I'll know straight that something's going to happen and I'll know if it's negative or positive. Know it or um, feel it? Um, I feel it. Yeah. So I feel it in, I feel it in my body. So I know by certain yeah. things in my body, yep, yeah, there's going to be something happening in the next few minutes and I'll, I will know straight away. And I'm always right. I haven't got anything wrong so far, so that's a good yeah. thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you were just talking about the purple light, I had two very psychic experiences just then that were clairsentient. So it's really, I'm not surprised that you are stronger clairsentient than any of them. But um, with the purple light, I felt the purple light go vroom, all the way down my body and it was like an electric charge. Usually I have the charge come up my body. So that was something that I just really noticed and I wasn't expecting it. And then when you um, said that the hand um, came out into your hand, just before you said it went ice cold, my hand went ice cold and I'm like, he's going to say ice cold. Yeah. Um, I wasn't ready for the hello in the cameraman's ear because I was too distracted by the cold hand. And I'm just like, this is actually pretty impressive. Um <laughs> So that's your two favourite. Do you have any more? Um, Beechworth Asylum in Victoria was was fantastic. Oh, I can't wait to get there. Yeah, it's a great place. Um, Jeff Brown, who who owns most of it now, um, he's a great guy. Um, he wasn't there when I was there last, though. He's only bought that in the last three or four years. So I was there before he took it over. Um, 
And I went there uh, with the Haunting Australia team, actually. Rob, Garav and Ray all come over and we went around Australia um, in 2015. And we had our friends from Drifter Paranormal from Queensland. Um, they come along and I went through all of Beechworth with them during the day, um, all through the old hospital wings and all kinds of stuff. And, yeah, that place is amazing. Um, Aradale is another favourite. It's some of it was still very eerie. Um, you know, it's got a definite vibe. Like you know, that place is haunted. Yeah. Um, it, every other corridor feels like there's someone waiting around the corner to jump out at you. Um, even during the day. Um, yeah, there's a bit they call the bull pit, and that yeah, bit yeah. had a lot of energy. We um, did an Aradale episode like, on it in our Turns Out It's Haunted oh, okay. Sister podcast. Yep. It was my first one that I did because it's the, the number one place in Australia that something inside of me just wants to get there so bad. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah, it's a fantastic place. Mm. Um, Garav took a very famous photo there um, in yeah. the Gravillion room. Um, looks like a little girl manifesting. And on that particular yep. night, we were, while that was happening, I was in the women's wing. Um, and my friend Lynn, who was from the paranormal team here in Adelaide, had come over. And she's um, she's psychic and she was overcome with grief and had to leave. And only a little while later, I felt very, very sick. So I left and I, I went outside. And as soon as I stepped over the threshold, I was perfectly fine. I thought, well, that's a bit strange. So I went back in, got back up to where everyone was. And, yeah, again, I felt very sick. Um, and, and we had all kinds of stuff happen in there that night, um, yeah, more so than I've had in a lot of other places. Beechworth is probably one of the most haunted I've ever been to. That's probably why I'm so cold to go there. <laughs> um, what I, I, I just got one question that's come out of that. So when you think of something as haunted, do you think of it as, as a haunt being a spirit that is menacing or do you, do you clarify haunt as just has spiritual activity or paranormal activity? Paranormal activity. Um, yeah. I, I had a discussion recently with someone, and they were asking something very similar. And I said, haunting doesn't mean evil spirit. Haunting means a place that has spiritual activity and it can be positive or negative. Not all ghosts are negative. You know, Most your, your mother, your mother could be a ghost. Your dad can be a ghost. And, you know, I generally tell people that most people exactly as they were in life is how they are in death. Correct. You know, so if, if they were, you know, a rotten person in life, they're probably going to stay the same in death. Yeah. Um, and I think, the tag haunting gets associated with places like Beechworth and with jails, which are places full of negative energy. You know, what's the reason people are in jail? They've done a crime. They've murdered someone. They've done something else. Um, why are they in, a, in an asylum? Well, the asylum might not be, it might not be that they're there for something negative, but negative things happen to them in there. You know, that's very traumatic being in a place like that. That's why that's negative. But that's not to say a church won't be a positive haunting. Because, you know, churches are entirely different. But when you say haunting, people go, oh, it's negative, it's menacing. But no, it's not. It's not always. It's not. It's no. a common, it is a common misconception unless you're aware of it and you're educated in it and you know what you're talking about. What I find in my, like in my role as a professional psychic medium, um, that the terminology tends to catch some people if they're a little bit naive to it. And so um, I just wanted to clarify your opinion on that. Um, I knew what the yeah. answer was going to be, but more for our listeners to hear it as well. Yeah. Um, you know, media's, the media is a big part of that with movies. You know, yeah. how many positive ghost movies do you see? Now, even Ghostbusters, you know, my favourite movie of all time, <laughs> It's it's got positive themes, but the ghosts are still negative in it, Yeah. you know, for the most part. Um, and, you know, 
<laughs> well, Casper's happy, but Casper has a tragic story behind him too. He does. I don't know if you know he the does. story of But Casper. he's happy though. I do. But he's he is happy. He's a happy spirit. He's, he's a happy ghost, yeah. <laughs> he is. Um, and I and you know I've got I could talk probably likely talk to you for hours on end till early hours of the morning about that specific topic, but I'll save our listeners from that. Even though I'm sure they would love to listen to it too. But if we've talked about the ones, and I'm glad that I clarified the haunt thing first, because if we've talked about the ones that you had the most outstanding experiences at for you personally as an investigator, do you have a place or even more than one place, if you wish, that you will never go back to because of the experience that you had there? I actually don't. You don't? I actually haven't had anywhere that's been that negative that I won't go back. Um, I've had, I've been scratched in places. Wow, um, where was that? Uh, that was in Kapunda. I was scratched yep. on the wrist and I actually watched the scratch um, form. form. And um, I, what I always look for when people get scratched, and people do get scratched a lot, mm. what I always look for is if the person can reach where they've been scratched, right? And there's a reason for that, that if, if you scratch yourself, you might not know you're even doing it, and then a few minutes later, welts come up. And then if you haven't realised you've done it, you see the welts go, oh, no, I'm in a haunted location, I've been scratched. And so but you get scratched on the wrist yourself. and you're like, I promise I didn't do it. I know I can reach my wrist. Right. but I <laughs> Well, this was, I left a haunted location and it was a good probably five minutes. I'm driving down the road and I felt my wrist burning. It was burning right here. I thought, that's really strange. Like both hands are on the wheel. I looked down and a big red welt started forming. So I pulled over and I watched the next one and then the next one. And these big black shadows shot past my car. Oh. Um, and I kind of went... Well, I'm just going to get out of here, and I just got out of there, and I drove back to. Um, I was living closer to Adelaide at the time, so I just got out of there and got home. But I, I knew I hadn't scratched myself, and I watched. And you know, that's the Holy Trinity three scratches, um, and I can't tell you where I was, but um, it's very much associated with what was going on at that location. Yeah. Um, there are places that I've investigated that I don't talk about because I'm. Uh, I, I sign. Um, yeah, I sign agreements not to talk about them, um, and. Some people have asked me recently, oh, you're not very active. Well, actually, we are still investigating, but we're just not putting out where we're investigating. That's that's the difference. Yeah. I have um, a couple of clients, actually, who um, own and operate um, certain locations of interest um, that are known haunted locations. However, um, they don't like to advertise um for reasons that that we just need to respect yep. you know it and and we can come to assumptions we can we can think that oh maybe they don't believe whatever but you just never know what's going on behind the owner's reason for for protecting that space and i love that um people like you and i get to be the um the guidance for those people or the people to help them and to understand it. But I also take it really seriously. And I, and that's why I wanted you to come on too, because I respect the way that you do that. It's there are, especially with the Americanized version of ghost hunting shows, there are (laughs) some people out there that I do not respect to put it lightly. And um, I mean, Australians usually have quite an honest sense of the way that we do things anyway. And we're not very media and, and fantasized and spectacular made into all of that. And, you know, haunting Australia definitely was not that. Um, But 
I think we're so our society is so used to watching ghost hunters and ghost adventures and they're in, not all of them like ghost hunters not so much but ghost adventures they're so antagonistic and yes and, and they're so disrespectful yet they try and come across as as respectful and it's just like really like anyone who has an ounce of understanding just looks at you and just goes you're an idiot <laughs> go away <laughs> but it's like a train crash sometimes i can't help not watch it yeah. because i really hope one day that they actually have an experience that's just like yeah nah like i am done like, i just want to <laughs> i want to be there one day when i see that happen sometimes because it is so real and i do believe that they do experience certain phenomena and i think that some of their cast and the crew are in it, went into it for the right reasons. And I think maybe the production companies and the media might have tried to take it a different way and make it a little bit more of a cult following. Um, yep. And they signed their soul over to the devil and their integrity and all of that kind of stuff. And I get that too. Um, yep. So one of the things also that I've always really admired about your style, not just the way that we were talking about your integrity around respecting um, the locations and the people who own it and their decisions, um, one of the other things I've always admired is a very similar trait that you and I have where we tend to be the the black sheep of the of the black family. It's like where we're always the black sheep, but we're the black sheep of the black sheep family, where we we tend to do things differently to everybody else and we tend and we have this uh, this self-awareness and just knowing that no, I'm gonna do it my way and I'm not doing it just to be difficult and I'm not doing it to be different. I'm just doing it my way. And I really like that about yes. you. So you are known to be like that. And especially around um, your explanation for certain hauntings and also the way that you use the investigative equipment. So can you talk to us a little bit about that and educate our listeners? Yep. So I tend not to believe a lot of the theories that are out there. Um, and that comes through testing those theories for myself. Um, I'm not a scientist. I don't pretend to be a scientist. Unfortunately, a lot of paranormal investigators do go down that path, but they're not scientists. Um, so things like there's a device called an EM pump and the original EM pump was in a little box and it was, um, a little remote control car engine that had rare earth magnets glued to it. And when it span really fast, it'd create an electromagnetic field. Now, the thought was that ghosts would be attracted to that electromagnetic field and they draw energy from it and that would help them manifest. Now, all ghost hunting equipment evolves over time. Um, people figured that they could upgrade that. So they started putting, instead of the motor, they actually had an, a, basically like a, a magnet with copper um, wrapped around it. So And that creates a, a proper electron, electromagnetic field. So it is actually putting energy into the air. Um, so there's two different sorts. So the, the battery one, uh, sorry, the magnet one, just forget about that. It's just complete junk. doesn't work. doesn't do a thing. Um, but the other one that actually has an electromagnetic, um, I can't think of the word off the top of my head, but it's basically, it is pumping out electricity. It's the same, same concept as your laptop or your TV has one in it. Um, if you were to pull open a microwave, you'd find this big chunk of metal with copper wrapped around it. Same thing. It actually is putting energy out in the air. Um, and it's where the EMF meters pick, up, pick that up. And it's this, the thing where people say, you know, if you're in an EMF field for long enough, you'll see shadow people. Um, this is the thing that creates that. So a lot of people thought the same thing. We'll put that out and that's the ghost will be attracted to that. 
Um, to me, if a ghost, oh, I should explain this first. People also believe that a ghost puts out an EMF field, the same EMF field as this device. So if the device is putting out that field and the ghost is putting out that field, why would the ghost go to that device to draw energy? It's it's a way, a byproduct. It's a waste product of the ghost. So it's basically ghost poop to me. You know, the ghost puts out this energy, but it needs electricity. It needs electricity. So that electricity doesn't, people, when I say electricity, think I'm talking about the power through the power lines. There's kinetic electricity. So water creates kinetic electricity. Wind creates kinetic electricity. Um, body movements create it. And if that's what ghosts are drawing from, obviously it needs to have a waste product, which is the EMF. So why would they be attracted to EMF? So to me, the EMF um, device the, isn't something that attracts a ghost. It's something that repels the ghost. Because just like us, we're not going to go somewhere where there's a waste product, you know, we have other reasons. It smells bad and all the rest of it. We don't know what the ghost thinks. But to me, why, why would you put that in a place? I mean, on Haunting Australia, I had a whole heap of them as an experiment to see if... I'm losing you, Alan. Sorry, you've frozen. And, completely and unfortunately, the way they edited the show, it looks like it actually worked. But my thought process now is that... Um, those devices if you put them in doorways they should stop a spirit crossing that doorway and you're basically trapping them because they don't want to go where the emf is they they are repelled by it if that makes sense it does it's probably an overly long explanation but no i get it and so with an emf detector just those run-of-the-mill emf detectors that i can get at bunnings if i really want to um mm -hmm. do you do you the way that when people ask intelligent questions, like to get intelligent answers, what what is it that's moving that light then? Um, the, the thing with EMF, electromagnetic fields are everywhere. Mm. So I, I used to, like everyone starts out doing the same kind of things when they start out ghost hunting and it's over experience that you learn that certain things don't actually work. So the K2 meter is for picking up power um, cables in your house. So it's basically a stud finder for electricity. Um, mm -hmm. It's set to human electromagnetic fields. Um, and that doesn't mean us, that means power lines. Yeah. So completely forget about that piece of equipment. It, it doesn't do what you think it does. Yeah. You want something that has, um, there's basically like a coil inside a really good thing, like a mill meter will have two coils, a tri-field meter, tri means three coils. And it picks things up very differently, whereas a K2 meter is just a circuit board. Um, it doesn't really do anything. And when people ask questions and they get answers on these devices, they're not necessarily talking to a ghost because the problem is EMF fields are all around us all the time and they come and go all the time. So anything can be affecting it. Um, it's one of the things that I find annoying on TV shows and they never discuss this, that all the cast are mic'd up. So you'll be wearing a little lapel mic here and there'll be a gentleman with a big boom, you know. You created at your own little EMF field. That's right. So every time I talk, it sets off that device. Mm -hmm. But the ghost hunting shows won't tell you that. So you'll see, you know, um, whoever on TV go, blah, 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 blah. Oh, my God, I've got this, you know, talking to me. But it's not. It's the EMF device from their voice recorder doing or a walkie-talkie nearby. Um, and unfortunately, some people have learned how to manipulate that to mm -hmm. make it look like you are picking something up. Mm -hmm. But... 
Yeah, um, the tri-field meter is probably the best device. It's a lot different. It's a lot harder to use. I actually do have one. Unfortunately, it's not within my arm's reach. Otherwise, okay. I'll show you. Um, but you have to actually um, set the device up first. You can't just pull it out of the box and it starts working. You've got to tune it in and make sure it's all calibrated properly before you can set it down. So another thing, all these devices, you can't walk around like this doing this. Um, it's setting them off. They need to be on a tripod or on a table, perfectly still, then point your camera at it. Um, then you'll get a true reading. Anything that's moving around is not getting a true reading. Um, so back to the question. Um, it isn't necessarily a ghost that you're picking up with EMF. Um, it can be other people. It can be electromagnetic fields from um, radios, phones. Um, people also forget that a lot of people wear hematite bracelets, which are magnetic, and that will set things off. It can be the, the ring that you're wearing, the jewellery you're wearing can set it off. Um, so unless you get other things that correspond at the same time, so if you get a really high EMF reading, an EVP, and you know maybe you see something, then you might actually have a true EMF reading of a spirit. Otherwise, by itself, it's really not evidence of anything. We did a, um, so I took one of my clients lives in a, in a home that is very, very, very old. And I don't know if you've ever heard of, um, Mangrove Mountain or Mangrove Creek in New South Wales. It's just, it's inland of the central coast, but it is, um, a, an indigenous area and the creek was basically used, um, as a central way for, people to transport things from Sydney up to up further north to the lands up here. And the house that my client owns is hundreds years as you of years old. And they they bought it not that long ago in in the scheme of things. And they started to do some renovations to it and some activity peaked. And they invited me out there to do an investigation. And I went, I go with everywhere I go, I go with zero equipment because I'm not there to, to do an investigation. I'm there to talk to spirits and I don't need equipment, yeah. but we, they, they were so beautiful and they are really beautiful people and we can't wait to go back there. But I took Laura with me and we were standing in one room in particular where I was able to get great communication with this young man in the room who was able to give us his name, which I, going through historical records after we did the tour, we were able to see that the original owner's son's name was the name that I was hearing. And he described mm -hmm. a few other members of the family that he lived within that room. And then all of a sudden the all these spirits just kept being, he kept inviting all of these different spirits in. And at that point I said to the owner something about um, how there is a girl here who is telling me that the boy that I was speaking to had met her around as a spirit and invited, invited her to come and stay, but she's not from the home or from the family. And it ended up turning out that we were able to trace her back to the cemetery that was in the next plot. And then there was the original school across the road that was burnt down. So we had lots of children. We had lots of spiritual activity. It was incredible. However, I was standing in that room and I kept feeling so much energy. And I'm like, I've accounted for every spirit in this room and I still have this residual. I need to go under the house. And so they took me around to the manhole to undergo under the house 
And I opened up the door and I went, yep, and I shut the door because right under that room ran the power board for the entire house, like all the power lines. And I'm like, I'm standing on top of a freaking field of energy. But there were many spirits, but they were all gravitating to that room. And so they were coming from everywhere into that room and that was their hangout. And that's where everyone that had ever lived in that room as a human had experiences most of the time, that room. And I'm like, no, I need to go under. There is something under. And I had a sneaky suspicion. And so when I was able to get the torch, because it's the middle of the night and I'm getting the torch and I'm showing the owner and I'm just like, that is, that's what you're experiencing most of the time. Most of the time, the activity that you experience in this room and this room is because of this. Yep. They're just here. They're just here because I'm here and I've invited them here. And sometimes Mm -hmm. they're here because the people that are here are sometimes a little bit like me and they know it. So they come to engage. Yeah. Beacons. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It was pretty incredible though. And so that kind of helps prove what you're saying in terms of your theory of what you're talking about, I feel. Um, What about the REM pod? REM pods are fascinating. Um, Aren't they? (laughs) They are, and we do use them a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. Karen has one from a company called Apparition Technologies in Victoria, and, yeah, we we do use that one a lot. Um, The big one that you see on the TV shows that has the black and red around the outside of it, one of the things that I've seen a lot in um, YouTube clips from ghost hunters around the world is they don't know how their equipment works. So it's probably a tip really for um, up-and-coming ghost hunters is always research how your equipment works. So the problem that I see is that after a certain amount of time, if a REM pod isn't picking anything up, it actually flickers its lights for about, I think it's about 15 seconds. If it picks nothing up, all the little lights will flicker on it or some of them will make a beeping sound. It's basically resetting itself and people will mistake that for a ghost. So they'll start asking questions and then 15 seconds later, your lights flicker, you hear a little sound, and 15 seconds later, like, oh, my God, it's a ghost. But that's how that device is set up. Um, and if you don't know that, and most people don't even, they don't read the instructions that come with them, they just want to pull it out of the box and off they go. They don't know that there's, you know, these little recalibration things that happen in some devices like that. Um, I believe the Xbox Connect has a similar thing. Sometimes it tries to recalibrate itself and it creates the little stick figure on it. And people will freak out and go, oh, my God, there's a ghost right there. But it's not. It's just part of the recalibration process. Do Um, you use that? No. I I tested them out way before they were popular. I had the device um, and I had a little thing to set it up on a laptop before they had the handheld ones. Um, So it was probably the first generation Xbox Connect, not the one that people are using now. And we tried all kinds of things and it always gave um, false positives. You know, anything that even looks remotely people-like, it'll create a stick figure. Um, and even today, like, I see people point them up at trees and they oh, my God, there's a person in the tree, but there's sticks. <laughs> it goes, well, that's a couple of sticks and that makes that a person and then looks like a person sitting it. in a tree, but it's not. Yeah, it's just picking up the sticks because they're human-like. Um, so I tend not to believe much of the connect. unfortunately. I don't think it's really a valid tool at this point. It may improve. Um, it may get better. And again, it's the way it works. It points out laser beams. And if it picks up anything that even looks remotely humanoid, it'll create that stick figure. Um, And that's very easy to manipulate again, unfortunately. Mm. I once did a tour down at the quarantine station um, in Manly in Sydney. 
And mm-hmm. um, they, when you do the the paid tour, um, you, you, they give you all the equipment, and it, they've got the whole kit and caboodle. Like it's like a Christmas yeah. in there, <laughs> and everyone's like, "Oh my god!" And there was there's this, there's a have you ever been there? No, unfortunately, we were going to go there for Haunting Australia, but we couldn't get it at the time. Ah, yeah, it's yeah. um to be honest, it's actually been a bit of a disappointment for me. I've done it a few times really wanting to experience why it is in the top 10 in Australia. And I've never actually, I've had a few strange things, but they were actually, when I was staying there, my husband took me there for my birthday and it happened when we were just staying there for the weekend. It didn't happen on any tours. It just happened when I was doing me. Um, And on the tours, I never. Sorry, isn't it mainly a hotel now? Uh, yeah, so some parts of it are turned into like places where you can stay. So we stayed there, we slept there and there's right. a, yeah. a communal hall where you can go and eat breakfast, lunch and dinner if you like. There's a beautiful mm-hmm. five-star, um, I think it's even one hat, like one Michelin hat restaurant. It was then, it's called, I think it's called yeah. the Boiler Room or the Boiler House. Um, absolutely phenomenal restaurant. Um, but it's the tours that run there um, don't go through the places that have been turned into places where you can stay. That Those places are yeah, kept right. very, very original. Um, mm-hmm. And the, you go through some really, really cool places. Um, the, the cool, the, the, the part, there's two places. One is the, the house, which was, I think called, um, it was like the, the, um, the groundskeeper's house. And most of the house, I'm like, yeah, there's activity here. Absolutely. This place has definitely got stuff, but none of it was like making me get excited until I got to the back room. And at the very end of that house, I went to just walk through the door as if like there was no one in that room, but there was about 20 people on this tour and I was by myself and I went to walk into that back room and I literally like could not get through the door. I was like, why, like, what is stopping me from being able to walk through this door? So I checked in with my guides and I'm like, why can't I go in? And they were just doing this as if like, we're just not letting you in there, but we're not going to tell you why either. And so I went and sat in one of these other rooms and I was sitting on one of the beds and it's a tiny room and there's a bed opposite a bed. And there was this group of men in there and they had all these little EMF detectors And so they started asking questions. And so I started asking questions and then they realized that if they came and sat back next to me, they were getting really good reads. And I'm just sitting there having the best time thinking this is so awesome. And then I went into the kitchen and they've got the chat box or the, um, the ovulus. Yeah. The ovulus. And that, that thing annoys the absolute crap out of me. I can't handle it. I hate it. But, um, as soon as I walked into the kitchen, all this stuff started happening and they were like, oh, my God, you're like the magic person, like story of my life because every time I've done a ghost tour, everyone really quickly works out that I'm a ghost magnet and they'll want to take photos or they'll want to be near me and I'm just like, this is boring. This is really boring. And the other place too is where they went, um, they used to, as soon as they came off the boat, they would get taken into, they would get, held in these rooms that are really small and they would be held in there for a certain amount of time until they then got taken through and their luggage was taken as well into the acid bath room. Yeah, I know about that bit, yep. That, to me, 
every time I have been in there, I have had experiences. And the last time that I went, I was standing, I'm getting like, I'm getting freaked out by it now, but I was standing in a cubicle with my back against the wall because <laughs> that's what I'll tend to do to be safe. I've got my back against the wall and I'm standing there just going, okay, breathe, breathe. Like everyone else is listening to the, the history. And then all of a sudden I hear this female voice on my shoulder just go, hi, Tracy. And I ran, I bolted out of that place so fast. <laughs> I'm like, I can't, I can't, can't. I'm okay if, because like, I know that they're there. But it's when I get the shot, the surprise that I'm just like, yeah, yeah I'm, I, I'm yeah. out of here. I, I don't want to be spooked. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be spooked. <laughs> but, yeah, people have this um, conception that if you're a ghost hunter, you should be fearless. But there's no shame in fear. You know, you don't know. <laughs> you can't see. You can't defend yourself. You know, That's you don't it. know who that is. It's like it's like anything. It's we're human beings that are having instinctive responses, and I am not afraid of ghosts or spirits. And I speak to them all day, every day, and I have done since I was born. I don't know a time when I couldn't do what I do. And people get really surprised. I got interviewed once a few years ago on a podcast, and the guy said, "What are you afraid of?" And I said, "Ghosts," and he just thought it was the most hilarious answer. And I was like, no, but what I mean by that is that if I'm just sitting here and all of a sudden a spirit just appears in my doorway, I'm going to poop my pants and run out the room. I don't want to be spooked and shocked. I'm okay if they're there and I'm okay if I'm talking to them, but I don't want them just to appear in front of me. Who does want that to happen? Yeah, no, that's right. And, you know, Raylene, um, she got torn apart for that on Haunting Australia by people in the comments section saying, you know, here's this psychic who's scared, but she'd never ghost hunted before that show. Yeah. And you're walking it's a different into thing. summer. It's totally different. You're in the pitch black. You can't see where you're going. And, you know, if something jumps out at you and her being a psychic, she's going to, you know, respond. She's going to be seeing things that I'm not going to see. Correct. Um, and, you know, they're jumping out and going, hello, of course you're going to respond like that. Like, mm-hmm. like I said, yeah. there's no shame in being scared. No, nah, you know, I'm not ashamed of it at all. <laughs> I'm, I'm very real. I, I'm, I'm what you see is yeah. what you get. Um, there are there there is one particular place that I am very much wanting to go to, um, and I'm going to tell you why. But there that place belongs to a group of places that um, there is something in me that will not do an overnight stay in those places, but I will go, and that is jails because my my maternal grandfather was the um, commissioner of Parramatta Jail and a couple of my uncles were wardens, they're prison wardens, and they experienced some extreme brutality and my my grandfather was responsible for some extreme brutality. Um, And Parramatta Jail, for me, has just been another, like a little bit like Beechworth. There's obviously a beacon towards it for the ancestral remnants, mm-hmm. um, but I feel extremely threatened because I feel like a lot of the spirits there will sniff me out like no tomorrow. They'll be like, you are that person's ancestor and we're coming for yeah. you. Yeah. So I've been yeah, looking... Payback. I don't want to do a tour that is organised by the jail and the the people that run the tours there. I don't want to do that. I need to go with a team of people that I trust that understand my my specific 
um, conundrum or kind yeah. of anxiety around going. Um, and yeah. I haven't, I haven't quite got that team together yet, but it's something that is definitely on my bucket list. So I want to know what's on your bucket list. Um, I've knocked a couple of things off of my bucket list. Adelaide Arcade was right up there. Yeah. Um, weirdly, Buckingham Palace is on my oh. list. <laughs> a lot of Good people luck. don't realise Buckingham <laughs> Palace is considered very, very haunted. Um, the imagine. royal family's ancestors are often seen around there. Um, I don't think I'll ever get a chance to go in there. Me I, either. You know, I, I kind of know it's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that would be a fascinating place to go. Um, Although a lot of royal family, and you would know this because you're a historian, a lot of royal family members have always been had a spiritual advisor or a psychic medium advisor, and they're very, very open to that. Princess yeah. Diana even had her own. Um, even today the Queen has said she's seen spirits in there. So, you know, there's there's things going on in there. I don't know who her spiritual advisor is currently, um, but I know that a while ago the person was linked to someone who's a ghost hunter, um, not so famous, but they were behind the scenes in one of the TV shows from England. Um, I can't cool. say who it is, but, uh, yeah, it was a little bit of an in for a while, but unfortunately it's not there anymore. Um, but, yeah, Buckingham Palace is right up there. Um the Winchester Mystery House oh. in uh, in America would be fascinating. Not so much for the ghost, just for the whole story and the craziness the way of it's it. Set up. Yeah, it's just yeah, I'd love to just see that place. Curiouser and curiouser. Yeah, um, but my number one place, and it's not anywhere specific in this place, is Prague in Czechoslovakia. Um, I'm just fascinated by that place. The whole place looks medieval. It's all cobblestones and it's you know, stone buildings everywhere, castles. Um, yeah, I just want to go there and experience it. And, you know, mm. there's tons of haunted places around Prague. Um, yeah. But not not one specific place. I just have a feeling that the energy of the place would be fascinating and that you are probably going to see things there, you know, just in the street, not just in a building. Though. It's just yeah. got that energy. It's seen wars. It's, you know, centuries and centuries of wars. Um things to do with um popes have happened there there's been protests where people were murdered in the streets you know there's all kinds of stuff there um and being that it's all stone and there's water a river runs through it and all that kind of stuff it's got all the right little things mm -hmm. for it to be a very haunted city the perfect storm my yes. um my in-laws have traveled extensively around the world and it's probably about Mm, I want to go say eight, nine years ago now, my mother-in-law and father-in-law went on a cruise um, that, and it included getting off at Prague and staying for a little while. And my mother-in-law came home and they're Maltese and they've travelled a lot. They've been to a lot of places. Um, and Europeans have a very worldly view. They just, they just generally do, um, especially compared to Australians. But she came home and she just said, oh, Tracy, and she's... Uh, in her mid eighties now. So she was in her, you know, late seventies when she did this, she said, Tracy, I just had the most, and she is devout Catholic, but when it comes to having a daughter-in-law like me, she just eats that stuff up. She is obsessed with it and loves it and thinks it's amazing. She came home and said, Oh, Tracy, Prague would have to be out of all the places that I've ever been, the most energetic place that I have ever been and she said it is beautiful the beauty the the energy there is something really special about that place so it's really interesting that you've said that because I'll never forget her saying it because I've thought 
one day I'm going to get to Prague to experience yeah. what she's talking yeah. about, considering she's been everywhere. It's like, yeah. and that's her number one place. It's my number one place. Um, when you have a chance, Google Prague at Christmas and there's okay. a Christmas market that goes back to medieval times. <gasps> um, and it's like a little... It's like a little fairy tale. It's all lit up with little lights and candles and there's a big Christmas tree and there's this big market Christmas Eve and there's snow. looks oh just God, like a fairy tale. <laughs> I wonder if that's because we've just never done Christmas with snow as well, that it's, it's so well, attractive to us. It. Yeah, yeah, it's probably part of it. Well, well, well. We are going to leave it there for the first half of this two-part series of the chat that Tracy was lucky enough to have with Alan Tiller. It's been wonderful hearing about his paranormal investigations and how it began and all the areas that it's leading him to now. And to even hear about some of his bucket list items has been interesting. I know Tracy has covered the Winchester Mystery House over on Turns Out It's Haunted and... I can totally see why Buckingham Palace would be an amazing place to have a wander around and have open access to all areas. Wouldn't that be fascinating? Uh, Especially coming off the Tower of London research I've just done, I can only imagine what stories Buckingham Palace would be holding. And to finish on Prague, where I've been fortunate enough to visit with my husband, Maddie, we have paddled along the little river and we wound our way up to the castle that is so majestic and so old and overlooks the old town and the new town that are separated by the river. And there is also that big, beautiful astronomical clock in Prague. And that is just something I could have stood at and looked at forever. It It's amazing within itself. So there's little wonder why Prague is on the top of many people's list, uh, paranormal or otherwise, to go check out. And um, one day when the world opens up again, we'll um, we'll get back to travelling. Um, but for now, we'll leave it there and we won't make you wait for too long before we drop the second part of this interview with Alan Tiller, where those guys will dig into more sort of historical work that Alan may be doing and some origin talk about history that he has uncovered and everything in between, depending on where Tracy's mind wanders during their chat. <laughs> but they're always interesting and valid points. So thanks so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Bye. If you'd like to send us one of your ghost stories or if you have a question for me or for Laura, send us a Gmail at tospsychic at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at turnsout underscore she's psychic and over on Facebook at tospodcast.